Welcome to The Jest, the official podcast of Infinite Jest Theatre Company. I am your host, Colette Rutherford. Today's guest is actress Shirley Ritter Hatton. You may have seen Shirley in Infinite Jest's recent Alliance of Los Angeles playwrights reading of Snow White from Queens by Diana Woody, or as the understudy to Lady Britomart in our 2016 production of George Bernard Shaw's Major Barbara. A staple in the LA area theater scene, you may also have seen Shirley in a variety of roles at Torrance Theater Company, Good People Theater Company, and Little Fish Theater Company, including their early 2020 production of Sarah Rule's Dead Man's Cell Phone. Welcome, Shirley. Hello. Hi. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you start by telling our audience how we met? We met doing a play at Torrance Theater Company. Oh my God. Lewis Blackman. Ah, <laughs> one slight hitch. <laughs> yeah, I one can't remember hit. the name. No, yeah. no, it's one slight hitch. <laughs> I oh, looked right. it up one because I hitch. couldn't either. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot. But um, yeah, we met that way. You played my daughter. And um, that is how we met, sweating together during a very hot fall on stage. Yeah, just over five years ago, if you can believe that. Oh, my, yeah, I, I completely lose track of time. So I, I, it shows I can't remember how long ago they were. They feel like they were all just yesterday. Oh, well, and in a lot of ways, when you're continually working, they just start to run together. They do a little bit, yeah. So you have lived and worked all over the United States and the world, including graduating from high school in Ankara, Turkey, performing in dinner theater in Florida, and completing a one-year training program at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. Where is your favorite place that you've ever lived? Oh, that's easy. Uh, I'm Hawaii. I got to live there for about six years as a, as a young child. I went to high school. Part of my high school years were there. And then I actually came back after I graduated from college and lived there for a couple more years. So my heart absolutely belongs to Hawaii. It's it's so beautiful. The people are lovely. The food is amazing. Yep. That's that's my favorite, favorite place in the world. That was what my money was on that you were going to answer, even <laughs> though like I, I love London and, and you and I have both spent time in North Carolina and that holds a dear place to me. But I was like, I bet she picks Hawaii. <laughs> well, I do. I do love London a lot, it, though it, by, when I went to college and then when I went back more recently, it has changed a lot. It smelled the same. That was what cracked me up as I'm oh there. God. It was the same when I went to New York, I would get on the, the tube or the subway and I'd go, oh my God, I remember these smells. Not that they were great smells, but they were very evocative. But I do love London. Um, and I love California, actually. I've lived here for a long time. I've lived the longest in California I've ever lived anywhere now because I moved every year when I was a little kid. Yeah, Hawaii. I mean, if I could, if I could go there and do tons of theater and everything, I would live in Hawaii. Yeah, it is very beautiful. I have to agree with that. What ultimately brought you to Los Angeles? Oh, that would be, that would be my marriage to my husband. You know, I, I worked professionally as an actress, but he was the breadwinner because actors don't make very much money. So he had an opportunity to come work for his family business. And I mean, LA certainly has a lot of theater, movies, things like that. So it wasn't like I was going to the middle of nowhere. So that is what brought me here. And I have stayed here. But, and you know, when I first moved to LA, I did not love it. I have to admit, I, I couldn't drive when I got here, which oh. is a terrible thing. I know. <laughs> that so is not the way I, to move to Los Angeles. <laughs> 
No, I walked everywhere, which was kind of funny. People would stare at me like I was a crazy woman. And I finally learned how to drive. And so that helped a lot. And it's taken me a little while, but I love LA now. I just, it's a crazy place. And I love the diversity and I love, you know, all the food and just that you can find anything you want and you can see great theater and you can... You know, it, it's exciting to drive down the street and see a movie being made, you know, at the end of your street. Or one time I was walking my kids to school and they had the park blocked off by our house and they had outlined body shapes all over the place. And we realized they were filming CSI. And we just thought that was hilarious. So. Of course. Oh my God. I mean, at first, after you're like, why are there chalk outlines in the park? But. Kids, don't look. Mass murder in Pollywog Park, yes. Uh, what led you to becoming an actor? I mean, I don't think you've ever told me about anyone else in your family being a theater person. Is anyone else or are you the first? I am the very first and I, I have sort of a side interest in genealogy and there's no actors ever Ever. I am the first in the family. Um, no, I always wanted to be an actor. I, you know, I was that kid that I would make my brothers and sisters, we would play act Sound of Music. And of course I was Maria. And I would always, you know, or do Mary Poppins. And of course I was Mary Poppins. And I just, I really, I loved singing and I loved doing theater, but no, there's no other actors in my family and they don't really understand it. I mean, they'll come and see me if they're around, but they don't quite get it. Like my mom's, it still freaks her out. She goes, I can't tell you break a leg. That just is mean. I won't do that. <laughs> oh, how funny. Oh so. my goodness. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was the same for me. I, I don't think anyone's ever worried about wishing me, you know, break a leg. Um, but when you're the first and, and forging your way, it is tough for family sometimes to understand exactly what it is that you go through with your art. They, yeah, they really, they really don't know. And of course, they're always like, how do you memorize all those lines? And, and well, and then my children now, my children have been raised with it. Like they would go to rehearsals with me. They, they've, you know, I've seen them waiting in the wings off stage and my youngest daughter even did some shows with me, but they still are like, oh my God, they, they would never tell their friends at school that I was an actress. They'd be like, I, I, you know, I'd be go, I'll come to school on, you know, mommy's tell you, tells you about work day. And they'd be like, no, 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 that's okay. No, don't tell them you're an actor. And, you know, I walk around whatever show I'm doing. I talk in that accent the whole time I'm rehearsing. And they're like, can you please stop talking in an Irish accent? They hate that one the most. And they're like, please just don't. So, but they do come see all my shows. <laughs> Well, at least they're supportive in that sense, even if they don't want to, you know, put up with your ridiculous dialects. <laughs> well, I guess having a mother who breaks into song in the parking lot is embarrassing. I, I'm assuming that must be the case. And, oh, and also, oh, my, my favorite story is I auditioned for Gypsy to be one of the strippers when, um, when my daughter was in kindergarten. And she went to school and the teacher grabbed me and she goes, your daughter said you want to be a stripper. And she goes, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, we're fine. I, it, it was for a show. Uh, of course. I mean, because kids, it's so literal and they don't understand the, the difference at that age. Well, and then I've had parents tell me, we can't bring our children to see your show. Because I did do Gypsy later as Mama Rose. And they were like, there's strippers in that show. We can't bring our children. Meanwhile, all the kids who were in the show 
are upstairs and they know the stripper routine cold. So am I a good mom? Am I a bad mom? I don't know. But my child does know what I do for a living. So, (laughs) Um, I know that you've been acting since childhood and that this is a long held dream for you, that it was always your goal to be an actor, right? But how was that being in a military family and, and moving around so much and trying to do theater? Well, when I was little, I didn't do theater. I mean, I didn't even see a play until I was in high school. Wow. And well, you know, we always lived in small little out of the way places. There weren't theaters around. You didn't, you know, and you didn't drag a seven or eight year old to a theater because that was not something you did. But my mom, my mom loved opera. And so she would go see operas and she would take me to those when I got older. And I didn't do theater as a kid. I just was sort of a dream I had. You know, I knew people could do that. So then it was strange. Moving every year was hard. You don't get to make a lot of friends. And and when you do make a friend, then they move or you move. And, and just having to adjust because we moved in the middle of the year. So that meant I had two different schools for every grade. And I'd go to one school and we were learning division. And then I'd move to the next school and they were done with division. So I didn't actually learn how to divide properly until I was in high school. I don't know. I was just making it up. I'm sure that happens to every child in a military family in some way or another when you move that much. So when was the first time you actually acted on stage? I think we were doing a production of The Music Man at my... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I is in sixth grade. They had a little play. And I wanted to be in that place. So I auditioned and I was the narrator. So I was so excited. It should have been when I was in kindergarten and I auditioned for the Christmas play. And I wanted to be the flamingo and they wouldn't cast me as the flamingo. And I'm still holding a grudge against that teacher to this day. I would. That's that's when you know something serious. (laughs) Everyone knows the flamingo is the best role in the Christmas play. I would take that to my grave. I'd have it on my tombstone. Yeah, I just I think I think it's indicative, though, of how much I wanted to be an actress is that I'm still holding a grudge about a kindergarten play. And, you know, I'm 60 years old. No, I think that's great. I mean, it's true. There's always there's always something you always think like, oh, that role should have been mine. Or there's always one that you were like, oh, I, I missed it. And if uh, Flamingo in the Christmas play, is that for you? Um, I get that. Yes, it was an important part. <laughs> Your and life could have had costume. a completely different trajectory. <laughs> yes, I, I would be working on Broadway now if I'd gotten that role. You never know. For people unfamiliar with your work uh, as Flamingo or otherwise, in addition to being a talented actress, you are also a very talented singer and have often starred in musicals. Do you prefer musicals or straight plays? Huh. Well, I do love singing on stage. There, there is something for me that's incredibly magical about having this big orchestra in the pit below you and looking out into this big house and just the electricity and energy, the give and take between the singer and the audience. And there, to me, there's nothing better than standing in the wings hearing the overture play and watch the curtains rise. So I, uh, I do, I guess my first love is musicals, but 
as you get older, there's not as many parts. And a lot of theaters don't do musicals anymore. And so I I sort of turned to doing more drama and straight theater. And and I do love that as well. And what I really love about that is I don't obsess over my voice because as a singer, you are constantly running around going, uh, 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 oh, um, am I sick? Uh, uh, oh, am I going to be able to hit that note? Uh, uh, uh. And you worry so much about your voice, like you time when you eat, what you eat, how you talk the rest of the day. And when I'm in a play, I don't have to worry about that. So that's very freeing. I mean, just being on stage is what I really want. So I'm happy either way. And what about comedy or tragedy? Oh, comedy versus tragedy. Well, I think tragedy in many ways is easier because comedy, you've got to hit those same beats every night. Comedy comedy is really technical. And I've worked with people who will break it down for me because I'll get a laugh for like three nights in a row and then suddenly I stop getting the laugh and they'll go, surely, you're waiting too long now. Make your pause just a little bit shorter and the laugh will come back. Or they're like, now you're hesitating between this word. Stop that and you'll get the laugh. And I do that and they're correct. So in some ways, it's it's a lot harder to do comedy in that sense. I, I think of it like comedy has a very specific road you have to travel down to get all the beats and the laughs. Whereas tragedy, I feel like there's lots of different roads that'll get you to the same end. Because some nights when you're doing you know, a tragedy, you may be sadder in this scene than in that scene, but it still all comes to that awful conclusion, the tears and the crying and the whatever. But with comedy, it, it's it's a lot different. So I, I, I feel like I have to be on my toes a lot more when I do a comedy. It's true. But you do a lot of comedy. <laughs> and that's just I why I wondered, like, is that her favorite or it just, it works out that way because you're good at it. And that's Oh, what you know does. what? I, I, somebody, they always ask me, they're like, do you decide what shows you'll do? And I'm like, no, I audition for things and they decide if they want me. So pretty much if it's a good script, I'm, you know, or I like the director, I'm very happy to be in any production, I don't care. But you know what? I, I think with comedy, what it is, is I'm a good straight man because I can sort of hold it steady while everybody else is going crazy, which is its own skill. So I don't always get big jokes and stuff, but I can keep my character real strong and steady so that other people can bounce off of it. Do you have a favorite theater experience or role? <sighs> yeah. Well, I did Sweeney Todd years ago and that was amazing to do that part. She's, you know, I love Sondheim. He's my God. And that part is, she's so crazy. We did it. We had all these opera people were in the chorus. And at first I was incredibly nervous. And later they told me, you know, opera singers don't like to do this part because she's just hard and she's crazy. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. And just the songs you get to sing. Oh my God. When I did Priest, A Little Priest with Sweeney Todd, I would look out and everybody, even the lighting people, were all just watching the song and every all the actors were in the wing. And it because it's such a great song and we yeah. had so much it's fun doing it. Such a great song. And such a, I mean, I imagine that that would be just a fantastically fun 
show to do. Yeah. It, oh, it was so much. It was a lot of work though. Like during intermission, I had just enough time to run to the bathroom and then I had to change costumes because my costumes were so involved. I had one dress, the skirt weighed 15 pounds and I had to run up and down a spiral staircase on a moving set piece five or six times in the middle of the song. And so I couldn't figure out like why I was so exhausted every night. Because you were wearing like 30 pounds of clothing. <laughs> yeah. I, and then my, my other favorite moment, I, uh, I was Mama Rose and Gypsy. And when she starts to sing, I had a dream, you know, and everything leading and everything's coming up roses. The great part is everybody wants that song to be really happy and upbeat, but it's not. It's, it's like this crazed woman going, I'm going to take you and I'm going to you know, manipulate you. And when people realize that I'm about to force my daughter to take over her sister's part and everything, you you felt their breath just sort of be sucked in. And I admit, I really enjoyed that moment <laughs> because, <laughs> well, because I realized the audience, they knew what was happening and they yeah. were excited to hear the song and horrified at the same time. Well, so they're that was with you in that moment. You know that they're connected when you hear them breathe like that. It's one of the great things about doing theater. Which brings me to, uh, you segued nicely into this, by the way. You have played oh, some fairly iconic roles, including Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd, Lady Bracknell in The Importance of Being Earnest, Eleanor in Lion and Winter. Do you have a dream role, something you still really want to do or something that you wish you had done other than be the flamingo? <laughs> the flamingo, that's my dream role. <laughs> um, I would love to do Joanne, I think, yeah, boy, not a very good actor, Joanne and Company. I would love to sing Ladies Who Lunch. Just think that would be exciting. Any Sondheim, no, I, I used to have dream roles. And then I, of course, I aged out of a lot of them. But then I realized that the best parts are the ones I don't even know are there, that I, I'm i just completely unaware of them. Like um, when I did Toxic Avenger for Good People Theater Company, I didn't know that play at all. And then suddenly I get to play this double role, like this evil mayor and this crazy mom. And I ended up singing a duet with myself. I had no idea that part was out there and it was such a gift. So, and when I did Dead Man's Cell Phone recently, what a gift to do that role as well as Mrs. Gottlieb. So no, I, I don't have a bucket list anymore because I, I know there's just so many incredible plays out there that are being written even as we speak. So I, I, there's no point in a bucket list because you just, I think you just end up feeling sad for yourself. Oh, I didn't get to do this part. Instead of going, oh my gosh, I got to do this part and this part and this part. And I wasn't even looking for them or expecting them. Yeah, there's that's a lot of Pollyanna. Time. Yeah, that's my Pollyanna take on that. <laughs> but it's good. I mean, that's one thing that I think people who aren't actors don't necessarily realize. Like you have to deal with so much rejection and heartbreak along the way that if you can keep a really positive focus on, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And I know that there's more out there that that will, that will help keep you going and you will really enjoy your work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Well, I just did, I just did a world premiere of a play that a friend of mine just wrote 
And it was, a, well, you helped with that. And it was such a charming play. And I really enjoyed doing it. I'm So that's a brand new play. I mean, there's brand new theater being done all the time. And just so many, there's so many plays out there. And what I'd like to see is theaters do a much bigger variety. Let's not, not that I have nothing against Fiddler on the Roof. I've done it four times, but there's other shows out there. It's the same with Neil Simon. I love Neil Simon, but there's other plays out there. Let's do that stuff. Let's do the new theater, which is very exciting. That's true. That's very true. There are thousands of plays that we'll never even read and, uh, or see and, I see and read lots of plays. It's it's always so exciting to open up a new script or go and see a new play. So people are going to want to know, what is the best thing about performing in dinner theater? <laughs> um, uh, the best thing is that you get free food sometimes, which when you're a poverty-stricken actor is not a bad thing. The best thing, oh, hi, dinner theater. <laughs> Uh, it's not my favorite thing to do, but it's an audience. They love it. I, You know, the trouble is I did it in Florida, a lot of dinner theater in Florida, and we have an older crowd there. And so you've got all the noise of the cutlery clinking and and everything. But then also people people with their hearing aids turned up way too high buzzing you. And then we did have a couple people, like we had to stop the show and have an ambulance come in the middle of the show because... People had heart attacks or strokes or something. It's like, it was very old audience. So dinner theater, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to totally dismiss it. People enjoy it. Listen, here's the other thing I will say about dinner theater. You, for the price of a ticket to most theaters, you get dinner and a show. And it's true. <laughs> that's hard to beat, dinner and a show. Well, and even with all of those, uh, let's call them obstacles uh, to performing, make no mistake, as a starving theater artist, a free meal goes a long way. Well, right. And, and sometimes they even let us have prime rib. Ooh. Would I you know. do dinner theater again at this point? Mm. If they paid me for the right role? Yeah, sure. If I had an, especially if I had an orchestra. Like I'll do a lot to have an orchestra because nowadays so many theaters for, I understand for financial reasons, use canned music. I do not like singing with canned music at all. And so an orchestra will go a long way to wooing me to, to do a production. So, yeah. <laughs> you heard that all you dinner theater companies out there, get a live <laughs> orchestra and offer Are her prime there? rib and she's in. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. I, I yeah, there's not very many dinner theaters left anymore, at least not here in California. A lot of them have closed. No. Yeah, I think it's uh, gone a bit by the wayside. Currently, you are playing Gertrude in Infinite Jess Clowning Around with Shakespeare event, where we are turning Hamlet on its head by allowing the audience to donate and choose the silly circumstances they want to see the actors perform under in the next scene. Are there any audience asks that you are really hoping for? Oh, gosh. Um, I do want to do a Russian accent a lot. I like doing Russian accents. They make me laugh. I'm hoping, oh my gosh, I'm hoping we get interpretive dance because I would love to do interpretive <laughs> dance. I, I just think that would be pretty hilarious. I, of course, miming a scene would be funny, except 
then you'd miss all the words. And I guess that's the point of Shakespeare, those words. I don't know. In practice, we've done some fun things. The Western was great. I really enjoyed that. I think a horror film style would be fun. Shirley is a wonderful Gertrude, whether played straight or as a drunken frat boy or a vampire, and I am sure would do a wonderful job with a Russian accent or interpretive dance. Obviously, 2020 has been a very different year for us theater folk, with a lot of projects being canceled or postponed indefinitely. Do you have any other current or upcoming projects? No, I am not doing anything currently. I'm, I'm hoping a couple of theater companies will probably do more filmed readings for their spring lineup. But no, I, I don't have anything currently. I Actually, I, I just feel fortunate that I've been able to do as many projects as I have during this pandemic because I was in the middle of a show the day they shut everything down. You know, my family, all my friends were coming to see it that night and we just closed everything down. And at first, I, I really think we all thought it was just going to be a couple of weeks. And slowly it sort of started to sink in that this was going to be very long term. And it's been so hard for all the theater companies and they are working so hard to stay alive and relevant. And so I've been surprised I've been doing as much as I have, but no, nothing in the future. Yes. For those who don't know, the show that Shirley is referring to is actually Little Fish's production of Dead Man's Cell Phone, which we had both worked on and which did run for a couple of weeks and get shut down in the middle of production. As far as I know, the set is still intact in the theater because no one's been in there to use it. I think everyone was hoping that we would be able to come back and to continue that production, remount it, you know, brush up with rehearsals and go on with it because it really is just a lovely show, was just a lovely show. I hope they are able to bring it back. I was, I I actually, I did go to the theater to pick up some costume pieces and because I just, the thought of them sitting back there collecting dust and rats or whatever, who knows. But I, I, I walked into the theater and I saw the set there and it was so sad. It was so sad to see our, it was a beautiful set. It's one of the nicest sets I've ever worked on. And it was such a great production. It was really magical. And yeah, to have that all just shut down, it was hard. We didn't get to say goodbye to each other, nothing. We, we yeah. just, everybody got that horrible email going, yeah, we had to cancel the show. That is true. But there will be an end eventually. The vaccine is coming. We will oh, all right. be able to be in the We're same place. Be- I'm sorry, we're keeping this comedy. You're right. Like I said, theaters have really done all this stuff with Zoom and everything like that. So there is theater out there to see and people are getting incredibly creative. I will say that it's nice having Zoom rehearsals because I don't have to get on the freeway and drive for two hours to get somewhere. <laughs> that is but- very true. That Missing the, the drive, the commute to and from rehearsals uh, is not a thing during this time. We all miss being in a theater, but... Oh, yeah. That commute is is not missed at all. But you're right. I do. I do. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I am really hoping by fall we will all be back on stage doing shows again. So something to look forward to. For sure. Hopefully. For anyone interested in seeing Shirley and our clowning around with Shakespeare's event, it is streaming on our YouTube channel on Saturday, December 12th, starting at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. All donations will go to benefit Infinite Jest's 2021 programs and offerings, including our classic comedy staged reading series. And when we are able, 
in-person offerings, including our new works development program, The Coffee Clatch, and full theater productions. As an added bonus, anyone who donates $25 or more will receive an entry into a raffle to win a variety of prizes, including a handcrafted Hamlet pop-up book created by Shirley, who is also an amazingly talented paper artist. For more information on Clowning Around with Shakespeare and how you can get tickets, visit our website at www.infinitejesttheater.org. Thank you so much for doing this, Shirley, and joining us today. It was always great to share a laugh with you. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And... For those of you out there who want to follow us on social media, that is at Ingest Theater, again with an R-E, and the hashtag, The Jest Podcast.